Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. Where's Huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual. My boring producer, Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, I am fired up to announce rejoining us after way too long. The host of the Morning Roast on 95.7 The Game, the lead dog of NBC Sports Bay Area's pre- and post-game coverage for the Warriors, and a man who isn't afraid to break his own chair while on live radio, Mr. Big Shot himself, <laughs> Bate Hill. What's going on, Bate? Man, all those accolades and then the chairs thing. I mean, boy, hey, Marcus and Bram, man, I've been eating too well during the pandemic, and finally <laughs> I try to get my gangsta lean on with this chair and screw pops out, man. So the more I'm thinking about it, Bonte, Curly, is... don't tease me. <laughs> stay at 12. Stay at 12, use that on one of the other holes, whether we, we almost lost Bonte. You, you okay, okay there, bro? B? Whoa. You just break your chair, B. Man, Are you okay? <laughs> oh, baby. Wow. wow. <laughs> Screws just popped out, man. If that doesn't scream, if that doesn't scream, get your fat ass on the Peloton. I don't know what does. Whoa. Holy smokes. Babe, we need a screwdriver. Show. That's oh, amazing. Man. Okay, they well, we'll need need I'm trying to get my gangster lead on here. You like, need a little Holy need smokes. Hey, wow. man, Peloton's calling my name. I'm not sure what I'm going to do about the chair situation in the next 24 <laughs> hours. I know a lot of people are eager to see what I do about that, but it could have been fatal, boys. could have been fatal. could have been a concussion <laughs> protocol. could have popped the back of the head. Who knows, man? That was, uh, that was, that was a tough scene. I thought you handled it really well. Yeah, so for those who weren't watching live, Bonte on today's Morning Roast uh, was talking. They're also on Zoom, so you can watch them if you want. And his his chair gave out for totally mysterious reasons. We don't know why, but Bonte, what I wanted to give you credit for, you just <laughs> rolled with it. I would have lied. You know, I would have been like, oh, my kid came in here and knocked it down or some shit. And instead, you just used it for humor, dude. So I'm, I was impressed. Uh but I got to ask you this about the halftime and postgame show, because I thought of you last night, right? So 
Last night, St. Patty's Day, before it starts, you guys go to Mully, you ask him for a prediction, and he gives you a lock. Not just a prediction, he goes out of his way to be like, look, St. Patty's Day lock, Draymond Green walks away with a triple-double. We go through the game, Draymond has the triple-double, and we come back, and Mully is calm about it. But here's the question I wanted to run by you. Mully's a competitive-ass dude. He's, he's a Hall of Famer. He was on the Dream Team. There's no way he drops a televised prediction and then doesn't want it to happen. So the question to you is, after he drops that prediction, you guys are watching the game, can you tell he has stakes in it? Like, is he hella fired up every time Draymond does well, or is he hiding how much it means to him? No, he's very cool about it, man. I mean, you know, he's got that Hall of Fame behavior, right? He knows what time it is. So we saw the seven assists in the first quarter uh, that Draymond dropped against the, I, I guess you could call them the Rockets. I call them the the Rio Valley Grande or Rio Grande <laughs> Valley Vipers. I mean, that, that team's awful, man. I mean, we can't get those two and a half hours back in our lives. But he was kind of calm. And then, you know, she has time. He's like, all right, Dre, give me those three rebounds, baby. We on our way. We are on our way. And he just kind of drops the mic. So he knows what time it is, man. And he can kind of spill the game out. Uh, in a way that we all can't, you know what I'm saying? This is why he's in the Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. But he smelled it early, kind of commented here and there. It was like, huh, how you like that one, B? Guaranteed, baby, stone cold lock. So he'll let you know about it for sure. Well, I respected the hell out of it. And let's use it as a transition to talk Warriors, boys. So, Bonte, we got a new segment. It's not in particularly creative, but it's fun. We call it Glass Half Full. And the idea is look back. Uh, last week or so, Warriors basketball, give us something we like or don't like. I'll go first. And I've been doing a lot of things I like. I'm going to give you something I don't like. I don't like that the Toyota Center has huge f-ing metal steps within a 10-foot radius <laughs> of the goddamn floor. What the f- Dude, why the hell do they have those steps? So I understand that the fans aren't there anymore and that those seats should have been where those steps were. That's where Steph Curry fell and bruised his tailbone, right? But they know that the seats weren't going to be there. Somebody looked at these giant metal steps and decided not to what? Put up any kind of padding? Nothing? So that's the thing I don't like. Why the hell don't they have something over the unexposed gigantic metal steps right next to the floor in Houston? Unacceptable. F*** you, Houston. <laughs> well, the co- the coaches should at least try to break Curry's fall, but I get it that an opponent, they're like, oh, well, if he falls, he falls. That helps us out, right? But it is weird. It's funny. It was a conversation we had a little earlier today on the morning roast. Like, it doesn't happen if we're not in the pandemic, right? There's going to be fans sitting there courtside. Curry's not probably – he's probably not backpedaling all the way to the sideline if there are fans right there. And and you think about – there was a scene in football this year with the Raiders – they were playing either Sunday night football or Monday night football. And Jonathan Abram, like, ran into, you know, the mobile cameraman where they're going from sideline up and down the sideline in a little – they're, like, sitting 15 feet high off the ground. Oh, yeah. And they got the cameraman, the little mobile cameras or whatnot. I'm not sure what those are called. But it was literally, like, five feet away from the end zone, five feet away from the out-of-bounds marker. And he runs into it. It's like, how do you have these billion-dollar corporations – and have little, I'm not going to call them a death trap, but like little, you know, metal seats or cameraman right there to where a player can get hurt. Your millionaire, your million dollar assets, and you have all these equipment five feet away or five feet away from the football field, five feet away from the, the playing court. Uh, and, and it just doesn't make any sense. Now, the metal seats, I think it's a freak accident what happened to Steph Curry. You usually don't see that. But I guarantee you, Houston moving forward, I'd be very intrigued to see if they – add padding there to Toyota Center to prevent that happen, 
from happening to one of their players. It was, it was a weird scene, man. You don't even think about you don't think about it until it happens, right? Who thought about sanctions or, or stand-ins or whatever they're called until Paul George broke his leg in that Olympic game, right? Yeah, yeah. Or in that Olympic practice. Nobody was thinking about that stuff. And then he breaks his leg running into it. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Why is that there? Why is that so close to the court? So it's almost like somebody has to get hurt uh, in order for somebody to be like, oh, wait a minute. You know what? That's not a great idea. Maybe we should move this stuff back. Maybe that is a little dangerous for a million-dollar asset. So um, I, I'm kind of with you there, Bram. It was, it was a little weird to see that there. And all of a sudden, Curry may not play this weekend in Memphis. Tough blow for the Warriors. A huge blow because that's one of the teams they're battling at the back end of the West. And I mean, I'm not an orthopedic specialist, but if I was walking around Toyota Center, I was like looking at the things by the floor, you know, padded chair. Oh, okay. Padded score table. All right. Giant exposed metal steps. I don't know. Maybe we can do something about that, but I'm perseverating. Boys, let me turn it to you. <laughs> something you liked, didn't like about recent Warriors basketball. What do you got? Oof, I, I guess what I don't like, uh, yeah, I can go a number of different directions here. All right, what I do like, I like Jordan Poole. Averaging 19 points off the bench in five games since he's been recalled from the G League. I love that. He looks like a whole new player. Even last year when he got uh, sent down to the G League to Santa Cruz, he got recalled to the NBA team and he started to play better. But not like this. He looks decisive. He looks confident. Uh, he's he's playing. He, he's got a nice flow to his game. I like the way he's penetrating and, and and going to the rack. So I do like the development of Jordan Poole. You know, 22 and a half minutes, 19 points per game coming off the bench. Second unit, no doubt, needs that jolt. They need that energy uh, coming off the bench. So I love what I see from Jordan Poole. Not like, but love what I see from Poole. What I don't like, there's, man, maybe I could lump this together somehow, some way. But I don't like the up and down season of James Wiseman. Not that I lost confidence in him or anything like that, because I think he's going to be a stud. He's giving you 12 and six, you know, without playing really any college basketball at all and, and now not starting. But I don't like the up and down nature because it's preventing him from getting into a flow, from getting into a rhythm, from playing with Steph and, and, and Draymond. Because, look, if the Warriors want to get back to title contention next season, he's got to learn how to play with Dray and Steph. He's got to get the flow down. He's got to know when to set a screen. He's got to know when to cut um, or when not to cut. So that covid situation you know missing the covid test during the all-star break um coming back with a vengeance in that fourth quarter against the clippers playing well against utah and then what happened this week uh with the contract uh, contact tracing that's a tough blow so i don't like that honorable mention i don't like looney's post-up game right now like how many times is it going to pump fake and get a shot blocked at the rim i mean i saw the lakers leave dennis schroeder on him one-on-one twice in the first quarter on one of the plays. He hits the other side of the backboard. The other play, he dribbles four times and just completely bricks it four feet away from the rim. So that's my honorable mention. But I don't like – I love Poole, like Poole, don't like Wiseman. Honorable mention, Looney. I love these. I'm going to work backwards, and then we'll hear from MT. Loon, I don't think I've ever seen a seven-footer sh- around the rim. I love Loon. I, I, I love his defense. I love his knowledge. But if he has the ball within a, a three or four foot radius of the of the basket, it's a turnover. It's not going in. It is what it is. Wiseman couldn't have said it better. I love his future. I hate his present. I don't understand what the hell they're doing with him. I won't question it, but I will say this. When they sat him following the COVID 
uh, missed test. I understand the need for the discipline. That's fine. What I didn't understand is sitting him for three quarters, playing him in the fourth. If, yes. if I ever ground my daughter, you know what I won't do? Ground her for three quarters of the night and then at the end be like, go ahead, get out there, have some fun. <laughs> Shit doesn't make any sense, Sponte. And then finally pull. Yeah, dude, you're right. And what I like about his success is it's also resurrecting Bob Myers' Uh, overall perception. He will keep taking shots and he hasn't had success in the first round. Well, if Poole keeps playing well, there you go. We don't have to look at it any further. Uh, MT, something you like or something you don't. What do you got? Nice. So honorable mention like is your use of the word perseverating. Perseverating. That was pretty good. Oh, yeah. 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 I felt like we were just letting that go by and you're you're taking shots at Maxime for words of the week right here. What are you talking about letting it go by? I've been sitting here counting the seconds until one of you complimented me and by the way i've gotten up to six minutes bonte you didn't say which is not okay i was gonna compliment you i was just gonna steal it and use it on a roast bar morning that's what i was gonna do i I got your back i got your back lawyer binocular right there just you sit back and know that i'm also gonna use the phrase stanion at some point just to show you up motherfucker. so that's what's up hey hey brad make sure you text that word to me man so i can use it still I will perseverate on that for the rest of the show. <laughs> Boom! Suck on that, boys. Um, oh, yes, man. honorable mention. Um, what I like is all the love and respect that Steph has been getting lately. Uh, Dame Lillard has been calling out, calling him the greatest shooter ever and giving him his props. Bron said it. Um, normally, I wouldn't you know, like that because I, I like the rivalries better, but... Um, it's just it's long overdue and it's just a good feeling to kind of see all of his peers kind of put it out there in front of the media in a way that's so blatantly respectful of, of what he does for the game. So um, I just appreciate that and like that he's starting to get that from the people that normally are being compared to him or are a little quiet about it. Um, what I don't like is. Similar to that is that we're losing the rivalries a little bit. Um, I loved to hate Houston because of how much we just, you know, like went to war with them. And you don't really feel that. Our biggest rival right now is probably Portland or, or the Lakers. And, you know, both of those are just have a lot of friendliness attached to them. So I miss kind of the the edge that is brought to it um, when you don't have all that love for it. But, you know, I, it's it's the gift and the curse with this, you know, a double-edged sword, just because I, I like that the players and the marquee players are getting, giving Steph his respect, but I still would like to see a little bit of bad, bad blood and animosity as we start to get towards crunch time. The lack of stakes has been killing me a little bit. And I just didn't even realize it. And so for years, decades, we watched the Warriors without stakes and we didn't know what we were missing, right? They weren't speeding towards the championship. They weren't even speeding towards a playoff berth. So it was just fun watching them play. Then we have this dynastic run. Suddenly the the regular season doesn't mean anything. We get used to, you know, if we're using a poker analogy, playing with a pot worth a million as opposed to $5 in a garage. And now that we're back to no stakes games, it kind of sucks. You know, it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to fathom. But I tell you what. Maxime, hold the thing you like and don't, because I know we have Bonte for a limited time here. I'm going to push us towards predictions, because that's the main thing I wanted to do today. And then, Maxime, you'll take our first. So, boys, let me be transparent to start. Let me give you credit. Bonte, you are our prediction champion on the show. As you know, Matty Stats is out there listening. He 
takes down every guest we give, and then at the end of the year, he actually kicks back who was our champion. It kills me. It just kills me to say it, but it's Bonte. All right, it, it is what it is. And I was going to ask Three years in a row, right, Bram? I mean, does that row? matter? No, it's not three years in a row. Definitely. here? No, no, again, again, you are not. And I feel like I'm demanding a recount just because you were wrong on that. But look, I had questions that were going to predict the remainder of this year. And then I realized, no, that's short-sighted. Look, from, from the minute Clay got hurt on draft night, all of us have either publicly or privately been thinking or saying that it's next year. It's not this year. It's next year when Golden State will really be back and have a shot. So today, instead of just focusing on this year, I've got prediction questions that do look at this year, but they also look at the Warriors' future in general. And I've got two right at the start here. I'm going to call fork in the road questions because the answers to these questions are really going to affect how the future plays. And I'll warn you, the second one is nasty. It is nasty. And I'm afraid of its response, but we'll get to it in a second. Here's the first trade deadline is right around the corner. We got about 10 days. It's March 25th. So my first question to you is, should the Warriors make a major move at the deadline and will they make a major move at the deadline and to help define it let's call quote-unquote major move a move that includes Wiggins Ubre, Wiseman or the Minnesota pick so Maxime I promised that I'd throw it to you first let me keep that promise what do you got I really don't think that they're going to make a major move before the trade deadline I think um they the the second question whether or not they should I absolutely do think that they should um, there's just not enough you know um, sellers at this point in the marketplace uh, to really make that happen you know but I do think of all of the things with um, Looney's game kind of not really being super enticing to Bonte's point um, and with Wiseman entering into COVID protocols we actually are kind of in need in a strange sense of a center um, in addition of course to some additional shooting around the perimeter so we have lots of holes in our uh, in our game right now but I just don't see the Warriors being able to pull off anything uh, like you said major so I agree with you now Bonte MT hold your response I'm going to try to talk you into why they should I do not think they will but I do think they should. Let me see if I can be successful here, right? Let's get the, the first part out of the way. Don't think they will. Uh, the pieces out there just don't seem to be enticing enough. Connor came on right. last week, told us that Wiseman or the Minnesota pick is only going to be put on the table for a quote-unquote generational player. And mm-hmm. we're not going to see any of those, right? So the, the, it's probably not going right. to happen. But here's why I think they, they, they should. The chances of Golden State ever having another player of Steph's caliber once this peak is done is less than 1%. 1%. That's what it means when we say he's a generational player, right? There's, there's only one every generation that comes. If I'm right about that, if, if what that means is the next three years are the, the three years in our Warriors fandom where the Warriors are going to have a franchise superstar of Steph's caliber, then f- boys, what that means is they got to go all in. This is their chance. It doesn't mean the pieces are out there that are really enticing. That's not what I'm saying, you know, and, and I understand that it would mean mortgaging this double title window they've been talking about, this having their cake and eating it too. But if we recognize who Steph is, and I think we all do, then I think the next step of that realization is, well, shit, we got to take advantage of it and we got to do what we can do to surround him with pieces. So that's my pitch. They won't, but they should. Bonte, am I right? Wrong? Where does that land with you? I, I feel like you guys are right, man. Like, 
Should they? Sure. Right. You don't want to waste years or whatnot. But I think the Clay Thompson injury right, right on track night has compromised everything, everything. If Clay is healthy, we're probably looking at this completely different. But number one, I don't think they're going to make a major move. Uh, Bob Myers, I believe, if if I don't if I'm not mistaken, has never made a move at the trading deadline. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think like not a trade. He's made some. May have signed some players, but just Steve full Blake, on trade. Steve Blake Steve is the Blake. only one. Yeah, it's nothing. Steve Blake. You know, so basically, and, no. and I guess you know what? I guess the Wiggins for D'Lo oh, trade. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I mean that was last year, Dub Bonte. But um, other, yeah, I, I just don't see them making a move because, like you said, Bram. Like you said, Bram. It doesn't. What is out there? Like Bradley Bill is Bradley Bill going to all of a sudden kind of pull you to the top of the Western Conference? I don't think so. He's a great. He's a great player. He's a really good player, but. I don't think that's going to happen. So, I no, I would not. I don't see them making a major trade. I don't think they should make a major trade. This is a situation where they just need to stand back, try to make the playoffs this year, get these young guys like Nico Mann and Jordan Poole, Wiseman, some playoff experience, alongside Pascal, of course, and then go into the offseason and reevaluate everything. All right, where's Clay going to be at? Is he going to be able to come back within that first month? All right, what about Kelly Oubre Jr.? Should Kelly Oubre Jr.? Uh, uh, be back on a on a short term deal or long term deal. It seems like he wants a home. He loves it here. I don't mind Kelly Oubre Jr. coming back, considering what he does defensively and the stress he could take off of Clay Thompson and Steph Curry with his defense. So uh, I, I'm kind of with you guys, man. Don't make a major move. Uh, I don't think they will make a major move, nor should they make a major move. MT, did I convince you? It sounds like I my my passionate plea fell on deaf ears to Bonte. So for you, what do you think, man? Am I right? Should they go in even if the pieces aren't there? I think I think you're right. I think they definitely should, and I think Bob Myers and the organization wants to, but I don't think anybody is gonna be willing to sell at the price that makes sense. So I don't think they do it, not because of the desire, but because it just doesn't make sense to give up the pieces that it would take. Like the Oladipo package, there's rumors that it's just crazy what Houston is asking. Um, There's been rumors that Carl Anthony Towns might be available. I'm sure that would take, you know, a small village of of players and assets. Um, So, you know, like it's just not out there for what people value their stars. I mean, I, I would do a Carl Anthony Towns. I know, um, you know, months and months ago we were all on the pod and it was with Bonte too. And we talked about cat and I wasn't a fan of getting him on the warriors, but I think you take a hard look at bringing him on. If it's Wiseman and the Minnesota pick and, you know, maybe a Pascal and some in a, in a second round or somewhere, I think cat is enough of a, solid player just in the wrong situation that you pair him back up with Wiggins and then Steph and Clay and Draymond and that's a that's a tough lineup and I think you keep Oubre to Bonte's point for defensive purposes as well but um it's just I I think it's I think we should I completely agree you maximize Steph's window of greatness as much as you can and Bob will be hounding on the phone but I think people will just be overvaluing the assets that they have and they're willing to let them to roll the dice and see what they can get from other teams as opposed to what we can offer. They'll recognize the negotiation stance the Warriors are into. I mean, they can can hold them to a much nastier deal. All right, let's get to the ugly question, boys. Here it is. Steph Curry is under contract for only one more season, the (laughs) 2021-22 season. 
Now, I, I've always thought a foregone conclusion. He's going to resign. I thought he's going to be here forever. But recently, we've seen people question that. Our uh, our old boy Kendrick Perkins tweeted, "Quote: Free Steph Curry after the Lakers' ass beating." And you can believe that Clutch Sports is going to be all over ESPN, and we're going to hear that. But maybe more importantly, current guest, friend of the huddle, prediction champion, Bonte has openly said on multiple occasions that we're only about a month away from talking about this contract nonstop. So let me ask you, Bonte, if you had to bet something legitimate, something huge, mortgage payment, something that meant something to you, do you bet that Steph absolutely resigns, or is there something to worry about here? Oh, boy. You know, in training camp, I kind of hinted at this. He's like, hey, I, you know, I was talking to the Rels and Kate's guy, Joe Shaskin. I'm like, hey, uh, you guys realize that Curry has two years up on this deal. He has two years left on this deal. And they're like, ah, it's too early to be talking contract. It's too early. And I'm just like, I'm just something to keep in the back of your mind. Here we are at the All-Star break. And you look at the current makeup of the team. Um, it's something to worry about. But I would bet on Curry resigning. I, I think, boy, you imagine him leaving. That would be that, that would be a death blow. That would be a death knell to Warrior fans. And that's something that I don't know you come back from. I don't know if you can come back from something like that, letting Steph Curry leave this organization. But um, I do believe he resigns. But to say I'm not worried would be a lie because uh, you look at Clay Thompson's situation. How quickly can Wiseman jump and grow up and be ready to compete exactly. at a championship level. Like, you know what I'm saying? Where's Wiggins and Oubre going to be at? Where's Poole going to be at? The financial uh, financial constraints the Warriors have right now without going into the tax. Will they go into the tax? There's just so many question marks now. And things change. Things change. Like, when he signed his extension, probably the stick of Clay is going to be healthy. Draymond's going to be playing at a high level. Clay's been out for two years now with some devastating injuries. Who knows if Clay's going to be Clay again? Who really knows? Like, is he going to be able to run off multiple screens left and right? Is he going to be able to defend at a high level, taking on guys like Jamal Murray and Damian Lillard? We don't know. So with all those question marks, and if they're not, like, next year competing in the top five in the Western Conference, I would be worried as all hell about Steph Curry maybe looking elsewhere, looking at the East Coast, looking somewhere. Like, it scares me. I'm not going to lie. I'm getting worried by the day, more worried by the day, but – I do believe if I had to put my bottom dollar on it, I'm betting on him to re-sign. But I don't know, like, you know, my confidence level's dipping very, very slowly, Brad and Marcus and Maxine. We are in the same boat. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had to bet money right now, if I'm at a Vegas casino, I'm betting that he stays. He's a legacy guy. He understands what it would mean to be here forever. And I think that's his goal, right? But we've also seen some cracks in the facade a little bit. And let's put these two conversational topics together, man. If what we just, you know, essentially, if I'm listening right, what we just described was the Warriors will kick the tires. They understand who Steph is. But chances are they're not going to be able to go all in. And if we're right about that, and Steph recognizes where he is in his career, and he does, by the way, he has openly said that he's playing the best basketball of his life. He understands that this is his peak and it's not going to continue forever. So if Steph realizes he only has about three, four years of being peak Steph and sees that the Warriors aren't going all in right now, well, that's not the best combination of things. Factor in a couple other things. Factor in that video, we saw all of him screaming at the Warriors bench. He's not a problem in the locker room, but he's getting frustrated, right? We can see that. Also factor in, and this is a random one, 
But he came out and said, I've got nothing left to prove. And it bothered me, and here's why. I agree with him. He doesn't have anything left to prove. It's not that I think that he's got to go out there and, and show the world who he actually is. It's the fact that he felt the need to say that, gentlemen. You never answer to a charge before it's been made. If I come out and say I didn't steal your wallet before you've asked, chances are I stole your wallet. If he felt the need to say that, what that tells me is he does think he has things left to prove. And if that's true and the Warriors aren't going all in, I'm worried. I'm worried. And so if I can take a step back and there's even anything less than 95% sure, that if Myers can't look me in the eye and say, I know for a fact Steph's going to be here in three years, then they better f***ing go all in with everything they have to make sure that they can tell everyone, the Lake of the fans, everyone, that we did what we could while he was here to keep him here. Because if they don't, just like you said, death nail, man. Death nail to the franchise. Wow. They can't do it. can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> it kills me. I told you it's a nasty one. I told yeah. you it's a nasty one. But uh, So are we being hyperbolic? Maxime, Marcus, you know, is this nothing to worry about? Is, is this just sports radio just to be sports radio? No, no, no. I mean, I, I get it. There is something to worry about. I think it's our responsibility, given that he's a generational talent, to have these conversations and do everything that we can to push and consider and whatnot. But at the same time, we've already talked about the most likely place for him to go is Charlotte because that's where he's from. With LaMelo Ball balling, it seems less and less likely that Steph is going to be needed or interested in, in signing there, right? So that sort of diminishes that possibility. At the same time, we all know that at this point, even with these uh, max contracts, they're getting the, the top players are getting the majority of their money from sponsorship deals, right? And he's launching his own brand with Under Armour. I just feel like he doesn't have that much left to prove on the court. He's already gotten multiple titles. You know, I mean, maybe a finals MVP would be a nice uh, feather in his cap. But overall, I think he's got, you know, he's got three kids. They're grounded in the Bay Area. I think there's so many more reasons for him to stay than for him to leave. So I will just say I have a lot of optimism. It's not even just a question of would I put money on it where I am. Vegas like I think he's gonna resign I think he's gonna end his career here because I think for his long-term legacy it's more valuable MT I promised Bonte I'd get him out of here in half an hour and we're about 35 minutes in so hold your response because I really want to hear it Bonte with your permission let me fire off a bunch of just quick fire ones predictions yep. for you and then we'll get you out of here all right sounds good over under 19 how many points per game will Clay Thompson have next year he's never had more than 22 in a season for point of reference Take the under. Say he averages 18 and a half points per game next season. Will both Kelly Oubre and Wiggins be on the Warriors next year? <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to say they both will be on the Warriors when they open the season in 2021-2022. Over under one, how many All-Stars will the Warriors have next year? I'll say... I'll say one. It'd be Steph Curry. It'd be Steph Curry. Uh, we've done, and I'll, we'll do these fast, man, but we've done this section called Warriors <laughs> Oracle. You did it with us, um, and we, we answer personal questions. I didn't get to run this one by you. So last week or a couple <laughs> weeks ago, we decided the world is split up into two major categories. 
those who waited till they had a driver's license to actually get behind the wheel of a car, and those who got out a little early. I'll give you an example. My first car accident came at the age of 13. So for you, did you drive before you turned 16? Don't give us an answer yet. MT, what do you think? I, my guess is yes, for sure. Bonte, 100% drove before he had a license. Definitely. I'm on board, 100%. Maxime, you got a guess? Yes, 100% in. Bonte, take us out of... Uh, Take it out of the guessing. What do you think? Did you do it? So I did drive before I had a license, but it was after the age of 16. Oh. It was about 18 years old. 18 <laughs> years old. I wouldn't even get behind the wheel uh, before I was 18. I was nervous as all hell. But I did drive without a license, but it wasn't until I was 18 years old. That's a confusing answer. You're like splitting the difference. I never would have guessed that. More Warriors <laughs> stuff. Last two questions, man. How many wins will the Warriors have next year? Oof. I'm going to say, I say you have 51 wins next season. 51. Last one. Will the Golden State Warriors win a title in the next three years? Oh, boy. Presumably that's Steph's peak, boy. right? I mean, like, like let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's call it four to, to be optimistic. Warriors will win a title in the next four years. Let's go. Yeah. boy. They'll win one title. One title. <laughs> I'll take it. I don't know. As long as we get one, that makes me happy. Bonte, always love you, man. Really appreciate it. You're, you're kicking ass out there, by the way, man. Jokes aside, uh, the TV, radio, everywhere we see you has been uh, oh, just a pleasure. And for those who need even more hill in their life, where do they turn? You know what I always say, Bram? Follow at your own risk on Twitter, at Bonte Hill, uh, 957thegame.com. You can watch Warriors pre- and post-game show where everybody gets on my fashion. The Mr. Rogers cardigan sweaters, the crazy little suits, the button-ups, who knows? The guy with the single knot tie. You can catch me there on Warriors pre- and post-game live. Have no idea why No idea why NBC hired me, but hey, thank you. I, I appreciate the love from NBC. And, of course, their morning rolls from 6 to 10 a.m. every day, Monday through Friday, uh, with K. Scott and Joe Shasky. A lot of fun, and always a lot of fun on the Warriors Huddle podcast. We will definitely get together uh, before the season is over. So, you know, I love talking to you guys, and I love beating down Bram in predictions. So that always just, makes me just feel just good. Down. Wow. It just makes me strut a little bit differently when I leave the house. <laughs> yeah, when I settle down. Bram. Oh, my God. <laughs> totally unnecessary. Also know that once you get off, and this isn't a joke, we do have a prediction question about your fashion. So that is that will be happening, and I'm not going to tell you what it is now. You can either listen or not, Damn. but we're taking shots. I'll be listening. Nah, I definitely will be listening. I'll, hey, Marcus, man, don't say anything too out of pocket, man. Come Yo, on, it's Marcus's question. It's, it's my question, question, but yeah, it's all but, love. It's all it's all out of love too. So you'll like man, it. You'll like I, it. You'll like it. You'll like yeah, it. I hope fatherhood is treating you well, Marcus. I know Brad, you've been a father for a while. Maxim, it's always been real, man. Uh, we'll do this again soon. I promise, guys. Appreciate we'll it. Talk to you soon, man. All right, guys, take it easy. Okay, MT, take us out of suspense. Rewind the clock. We're back to the Steph Curry question. You know, out of five alarm fire. Where are you? How worried are you? Yeah, I'm in a different boat. You and, and Bonte and Maxime, to a certain degree, are all in this boat where it's choppy waters and you're worried about Steph. And I'm in this other boat next to you guys, and it's just calm, smooth sailing over here. I'm not worried at all. I think Steph loves the Bay Area. And for the same reason why you and Bonte are worried, and Bonte called it out saying that, you know, he signed the extension to play with Clay and he hasn't played in two years. That's the exact reason why he will sign another extension and stay is because he 
respects and loves playing with clay and just you know is a is a friend and brother to him too much to jump ship and leave him to figure out how to play again and come back from two devastating injuries by himself these are the splash brothers they did it for a reason i just think steph clay and draymond have um a a vested interest in playing together for one franchise for their entire careers and then going to the front office and doing other things with the same franchise. So I'm not that worried about it. I think Steph's frustration comes from his uber competitiveness and not because he wants to go to a different situation because he wants to bring the best out of this situation. The same frustration he felt when we were losing and he said, I promise you dub nation, like we're going to figure this out. Like it's coming from that same place and he will stay and figure that out with the people he's been riding with since he got drafted here and all the new people coming up. It's the difference between when he said that and where he is now that really worries me. First, let me start by saying, Cobb Waters, what the f*** are you smoking over there, and why am I not smoking it? <laughs> I mean, like, we've known each other forever. I'm the dude who blazes. Like, I don't understand why you're over there having the time of your life. But I, I like your optimism, and I think it is probably the smart move. But I also think that blindly assuming that he is just completely happy and is going to be completely happy regardless of the Warriors' success going forward is a huge, huge risk. So you're right, dude. He's been through nasty seasons. He had 19-year wins here. He stuck it out. But that's what worries me. He has already beaten this part of his career. He's gotten through this level of the video game. You know, he, he got used to playing for championships and MVPs and being recognized, if not the face of the league, close to the face of the league. Can he go through one season like this is without any problem? Yes, absolutely. But we get into next year, and Clay isn't necessarily Clay again, and the Warriors have not shown him that they're completely committed to his window. If they keep f***ing around and showing that, they, you know, that they're splitting the difference and that they want to make sure that maybe Wiseman has a future too, then I think he will have a little bit of flexibility to be pissed off. And it's that flexibility that keeps me from being in those calm waters. I want to be there, man, but, but it worries me. Does that make sense? It does. It makes sense. I just think there are, I think the long game of it is too enticing. And I, I think... Lakeup and Myers um, are too smart to let that happen. Um, I I think there's probably a chance that there's ownership coming down the pike for Clay, Steph, and Dre. Um, you heard LeBron recently say that that's his ultimate goal. He purchased you know like a stake in the Boston Red Sox. He owns a stake in Liverpool, the soccer team um, in the Premier League. And he said it's his goal to own an NBA team, be an owner sooner rather than later. Like and Jordan. I, yeah. And I think that's what the path that Steph is on too. And Draymond, who's part of Clutch and has those same kind of business aspirations. And I think when it's all said and done, uh, they're talking to, you know, Lake up and Myers and everybody at the organization there. Like when but, my window closes, like dude, careful, what, what's though. my percentage of, you know, like they're going to offer him a, an opportunity to be an owner uh, and continue hopefully, this. But the team that LeBron will probably be part owner is the Lakers, you know, and when did he end up there? End of his career. And you know why? Because somebody they enticed him and they gave him a shot to win around him, right? I mean, like I don't, 
I, I again, I think that you're right, and I think that Lacob is smart enough to put the carrot at the end of the stick. But I, if if the main hook here is what's going to happen in 20 years, not what's going to happen during his prime, that it, I'm worried. I'm worried. But here, let me give you a different question, but a related one. So same idea. You have to bet a significant amount of money. Who wins more titles over the remainder of their career? So starting today, going forward, who wins more titles? Steph Curry or James Wiseman? Um, it's a push. It's the same. So Wiseman does not win one without him. Exactly. The only one, yeah. the only time Wiseman wins is when Steph Curry is on his team with him. So does I mean doesn't that I I agree with you, and that makes me think even if we're not positive that Wiseman can be the centerpiece of a franchise, that makes me even more worried about having these two title windows at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't. I I think the expectations on Wiseman um, are just unrealistic at this point. I mean this. This kid yeah. came out of high school, played three games in Memphis, and then yeah. sat out and is now, you know, like going through a COVID season. Like it's all just wacky and wonky to a player of his status. And he's going into an organization with crazy, weird expectations and like rotations that allow him to grow and then bench him. And, you know, like it's just it's a hard situation to thrive in. It's it's not like LaMelo Ball is is, you know, uh lot better than I thought he would be but he's also in a situation where he just plays all the time um so you know it's it's just different so I I think the expectations on him and you look at his numbers and how he matches up with how centers who are at the top of their game right now started off like the Embiid's and the Jokers of the league like his numbers are comparable to where they were in their first year so I think it's you just have to temper the expectations like we we need him to be an all-star player right off the bat but that's just not how it works especially at that position well and if, if you look back on any of our education take the baseline things we picked up when we learned how to count when we learned how to write just easy things right the the consistency between all of those is consistency you know, you don't, when I'm learning how to write for the first time, they don't teach me how to hold the pen five different ways. They teach me how to hold it one way, the same way, over and over and over again. The one thing Wiseman hasn't had over the last couple of years is any semblance of consistency. I'm sure in high school they were force feeding the ball. Then he doesn't really get to play in Memphis. Now he's in Golden State. Not only is he not being force fed the ball, but his role here changes on an almost day-to-day basis. He starts. He's not. He's a center point of the second unit. He's not. So the fact that this season hasn't led to big success doesn't make me worry that much for all the reasons that you were saying. Um, and I hope that Warriors Twitter kind of calms down as, as far as we're saying uh, lineups. And so this is just a non sequitur. But there was the game that Wiseman got suspended through three quarters of it. And I, I understand that the second unit was supposed to field him. But there was a moment when they threw out a lineup that had uh, Juan T, Poole, Oubre, and Nico Mannion out on the floor. And I would imagine that when Kerr did that, when he was like, all right, 
Toscano, get out there. Jordan Poole probably sat down. And he was like, no, 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 no. Poole, you get out there too. And then Manny was like, oh, I better be sit down. He's like, no, no, no. All three of you guys are playing at the same time. And then Uber is like, what the f***? I guess I'm shooting every time I touch the ball. Like, it is just on. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, that lineup was no joke. But take some of these other ones we got from Bonte. Over under Clay. Points per game, 19 next year. I think he's right. I think I take the under, and I, I think we've got to be – I think we have to temper our expectations for a hell of a player, but who is coming back after two nasty lower uh, extremity injuries. Yeah, um, I'm tempted to take the under, too. I, I think Bonte's probably going to be right around 17, but I'm going to go over. I think he's going to average around 20 or 20 on the dot, a little bit over. Just because before this, remember, like Clay would get in these weird injury situations, like the playoff game against Houston, where his leg got caught up and it would have snapped, you know, like the leg of any normal human. And it bends in a weird way. And Clay just kind of looks and goes, ah, and gets up and walks it off and then, you know, scores 20 points in the fourth quarter. Like he's just built a little differently. And I think these two injuries are just a series of really bad luck and timing and the way KD has come back yep. to me it gives me a lot of confidence because Clay is the same way like KD goes to the to the hole and you know like takes it to the rack a lot more than Clay does so seeing the way that KD has been able to respond and still play at a high high level and is you know honestly one of the top 10 players in the league right now um, it just gives me confidence that Clay will be able to come back. ACL injuries, he was good. He'll be two years off of that, a year off of this Achilles injury, plus a little bit more in change of months. Like I think, you know, he will come back and he will have the shots to do it. And if his jumper is still working, then you know I could see him knocking down enough to to get just above twenty. KD was an MVP candidate to start the year. Uh, yeah. And I, this question's fun. The points per game, the numbers behind it makes it sexier, but it's also kind of a head fake, right? I mean, the thing that we're really going to need from Clay is his lateral movement and his defense. Um, and the points per game doesn't necessarily reflect that, but take the championship one, right? So let's make it four years to hope that Steph's prime is longer. Will the Warriors win a title during that window? The blatant Homer in me has to say yes. I can't host this podcast, say he's a generational player, expect the Warriors to go all in, praise Lacob's ability to, to sign the checks without having a yes at the back end of this question. So I'm going to give you a yes, and I think I believe it, but I'm worried, MT. I'm worried. I'm not positive on that. So Whatever it was that allowed you to be in calm waters, take a big toke on that now and then give me another <laughs> response. Do you think they win a title over the next three years? Four. I do. Four. I think they win one, but it's dependent on if they keep Wiggins and Oubre and what happens with that Minnesota pick. I think if they approach it with the strength in numbers, like your your last comment about Clay, like what we need from his is is his lateral movement and defense. I don't think we need it as much. Like we're we're then top we're four, we're we're a top six defensive team. You know, when we lock in, when Ubre and Wiggins are locked in, you know, we're playing great. You add clay to that, even a eighty percent clay, you know, like that fortifies our top five ranking, top six ranking. So I think 
we don't need as much. What I worry about more and hate watching even more is when Steph goes out, we're just like, who is going to score right now? And um, having Clay anchor that and have the gravity go to him if he starts hitting shots and pull it away from Wiggins and Oubre so they get even more wide open shots, I think would be a great recipe. So, um, but I do think depending I think we're going to lose Oubre. For the record, I don't, I don't yeah. think I think Ubre is going to walk, and I think the defensive makeup of this team is going to shift drastically. But yeah. Yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll see. We're, we're still but, yeah, but I think I think depending on that um, Homer take as well. I think they do win one more, and I think Clay pushes it over the top. I mean, when Steph, Clay, and Draymond were playing well, you know, we were sweeping Portland and um, you know, like making it to the finals. We didn't have. KD for a bunch of those and we could have won it looked like we would have won a few more games if not the championship even against a great Toronto team um, to play devil's advocate though yeah. the Brooklyn's of the world weren't around now there were the Lakers you know True. uh I mean like the the I think this team against a regular NBA I I would have given you an over under on two championships but the way that the NBA has shifted in the Warriors' absence, you know, that, that some other super friends have popped up, it's going to take a hell of a team um, to knock them off that throne, which is what limits it to one. But, man, I hope, for obvious reasons, I hope you're right. Okay, MT, I've teased it. It's hanging out there. I know that Bonte is listening right now. Give it to us. What's your prediction? What's up, Bonte? So, my prediction question is, how many times does Bonte wear sneakers on tv during the rest of the season so if you notice uh during one of the the broadcasts he came on with the with the jordan retro carmines which are um uh, a desirable sneaker if you're not a sneakerhead. um but it was interesting to see and i started paying attention him and d Wright kind of go back and forth in terms of if they wear sneakers or if they wear a suit and tie and some really nice dress shoes and mully's always in the suit and tie and dress shoes so I uh, just wanted to see what the over-under was. How many times do you think Bonte will go sneakers and keep it 100? Or is he being told by the higher-ups at the network, like, we need you to, to dress appropriately? Uh, I think, well, what's what's how many games do we have left? 31. I take push on 31. I think he's all the way on the sneakers. And his his fashion choices have not been limited to just footwear. The full wore a sweater about a month back that Twitter said made him look like a high school senior on game day or Mr. Rogers, depending on the angle that it showed him at, which I thought was two fairly dynamite takes. Because uh, I remember kind of dressing up on game days. Wasn't a sweater like we wore like that like tie underneath the sweater, which is exactly what he had going. So I was impressed as far sneakers yeah, yeah i i i mean it won't be every time let's say we'll put it at half 16 i'll take the over yeah i mean i think he doesn't do every single broadcast so if we have 31 games left and he has some load management and only does what 24 25 of them um i think he only does sneakers maybe i'm gonna say seven times so take that Maddie stats and we'll, we'll try to keep track of it. That's a tougher yeah. one to, to follow up on. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't like to do this on air, but I've talked about off air with you. I don't like when your answers are more thought out than mine. I've said this a thousand <laughs> times. I don't know how many times now I've got to do this publicly, man. And I don't want to be in this position. So I'd appreciate it if you would stop that immediately because I do not like it. If you were Bonte, what would your move be? Would you be a sneaker guy? Would you like try to play it super close to the vest and like come in suited every day? What would be your move? Um, I would do sneakers, assuming that 
the execs at the at the TV station don't tell me what I can and can't wear at certain times. I'm not sure how that goes down, and I wanted to ask him, so we'll follow up with with Bonte on that and what he can and can't share. But um, if allowable, I would go different sneakers every time and have that kind of be a thing that people would tune in to see which ones I'm rocking that day. I'm going to burst your bubble right now. We don't give a f- what sneakers you're wearing. I'm just telling you that now. No, like if you do find yourself in there and you find yourself going into the studio every day, like, oh, wait till they see these. I'm telling you, we won't see them and we do not care. So that is what it is. Uh, I would be, I'd, I'd be constantly trying to please people and would go way over the top on both sides. Like one day I'd show up in like jeans, throwback jersey, uh, like nice new sneakers. If nobody said anything, the next day I'm coming in there with like a you know, million dollar suit and hoping they approve of that. Anything that like got some kind of positive mention on social media, I would be willing to do that. And in related news, I'd probably be fired in about two to three weeks. But it, you know, it'd be a really exciting two to three weeks. Yeah. Like it is like one day I come in there, I'm dressed like a luchadora. Like F- it, man, like I'm just like something, something somebody's gonna like at some point. Maybe a sneaker on the right foot and a dress shoe on the left foot, and really keep the execs guessing. Boom. You know, the most important question I've been meaning to ask you this, what sneakers are you wearing today? MC? I don't care. I don't care at all. And I won't care in the future. Uh, we have Wes Goldberg lined up. Um, I'm sure MT, you heard about the Myers Leonard thing and I've got a lot of takes back and forth with Wes. We recorded this a little bit earlier, but before I throw it to him, any Myers Leonard takes or you want to let us, uh, handle the FUs and we'll pick it up from there. Yeah. I'm not touching that one. Uh, he shouldn't have said what he said, obviously. And I'd be interested to see, uh, where you and Wes take that. But, um, I think yeah. you'll be was... shocked to find I'm not so diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have about 17 minutes of f- you for Mr. Leonard. So for those of you who are looking for calm water stakes, this is your exit. I would go ahead and uh, and click end to this podcast. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. If you would like a two barrels of F you towards Adolf Hitler, I mean, Myers Leonard, then this might be the podcast for you. Uh, yeah, good stuff, MT. We'll see you next week, man. Cool. Go Dubs. It is my pleasure to welcome in the host of the Locked On Warriors, the beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, and the absolutely perfect guy to join me for this segment, even if he isn't verified on Twitter, Mr. Wes Goldberg. What's going on, Wes? Good to hear from you, Bram. This is, uh, you know, under other circumstances, um, would be better to talk to you, but always good to talk to you. Yeah, um, this is kind of a weird setting and the audience will understand in a couple of seconds. Um, So let's jump into it because I know we have somewhat of a limited time. So Wes, you know, the huddle is only weekly, man. Um, And for me, doing a weekly podcast has some real obvious upsides. It lets me be lazy as it lets me cherry pick stories throughout the week. It's got you know some upsides, but there's some downsides too, man. Uh, There are occasions when something happens, a story leaks and then I've got to sit on my thoughts for a week, and it just drives me crazy. This is one of those times. So on March 8th, Myers Leonard, 29-year-old center, formerly of the Miami Heat, uh, who I say formerly because he got traded OKC today, was streaming Call of Duty to a live audience, was playing video games essentially on TV, and then said the following, and I should warn you, if you haven't already heard this or read it, this is nasty language, and you may want to fast forward 30 seconds um, if you don't want to endure it. But here is what Mr. Uh, Leonard had to say. 
and I'll, I'll play the quote, um, but we don't have Maxime, so I can't do it. Yeah. Since then, Mr. Leonard's has in fact issued a written apology. And in effect, what he said was that he didn't know what the word kike meant, that uh, he understood it had a history, but really when he dropped that into the microphone had no sense of its history or its overall impact. Um, and I thought of you, Wes, when I said up front that you were the perfect guest. I meant it, man. You know, you and I have joked about you being a Miami guy. I know that you're a Miami Heat fan. But more importantly, you're a Jewish American. You're a smart guy. You have a lot of opinions. And I wanted to reach out to you right then. But I figured it was a lot better to do it with a mic. Um, so f- bring me up to speed. What was your reaction to this when you heard it? Where, where are we on it? Well, obviously, my first reaction, I think, was like everybody's or a lot of people, uh, sensible people was just disappointment. Um, you know, you just, you hate to hear this kind of language and you knew, unfortunately, exactly where this was going to go. It was going to go, it was going to be some sort of quote unquote investigation that led to some sort of marginal fine and, and maybe a suspension for a guy who, by the way, has been injured for the entire season. So the suspension doesn't really matter. Uh, and, uh, that's exactly what happened. And I thought about the Arison family who owns the Miami Heat, who are so um, involved in not only the Jewish American community, but with Jewish communities overseas, um, very well respected in the community. And what Mickey Arison, who is the 70 something year old owner of the Miami Heat, whose son, very much like the Lake Ups, is it's a family business, right? It, with the Miami Heat are and what... Um, you know, his son, Nick Arison is part of the front office and what Nick Arison had had to deal with and uh, their general manager, Andy Ellisberg, you know, I'll let you guess whether or not he's Jewish or not. Uh, it, it's you've got people in that front office who hear what one of their players says and then need to bring that to their 70 something year old Jewish owner who not only has to deal with, oh, my God, I can't believe one of the 15 players we employ is using this sort of language. And he was doing what? He was exactly. playing a video game for other people on the internet. Like you now have to explain to Mickey Harrison what live streaming Call of Duty is. Like, and of all of those names, uh, of all those words, I'm not sure he understands any of them. And 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 so now this is a tough decision for this Jewish owner to have to make. And all these things, and you have you know all the obvious basketball implications that go into it. They ended up trading him for Trevor Ariza. They if they waived him right up front. They wouldn't have been able to use a salary in that trade. And that's ultimately what they ended up doing to rid themselves of this problem. And it was all these things. But my initial reaction was just understanding that's exactly where this entire thing was headed. And I was still disappointed uh, that that you just you can't just banish a guy uh, that I don't understand the difference between that um, and just throwing somebody in you know our prison system and not dealing with rehabilitation. And I thought back to the um, Steven Jackson situation that you and I talked about last summer where he evokes the Rothschild family conspiracy that's very hurtful and very damaging and very dangerous to Jewish people. And, uh, And the fact that the NBA didn't do a whole much anything to combat that. In order or to correct it. And you, in, in fact, he still had overwhelming support from the NBA community, not in his comments, but just generally speaking, support for his platform for the podcast. You continue to have people go on to his podcast and, and do all these things and, and, and elevate him. 
And, and I know that he did some uh, deep thinking about it. I understand that he is apologetic. And that's the sort of thing I would like to see from Myers Leonard. But I just can't help but think uh, that, and I know I'm going long here, Bram, and I'm, and I'm sorry, but uh, I'll, I'll round up my argument here, where if this were Myers Leonard saying the N-word on a live stream, the response is so much different. And, and I, and so much more dramatic and drastic and, and he doesn't, he doesn't even get traded. Okay. He is there. There is no patience for that. There is no investigation. There is nothing. Okay. And so, uh, and I'm not saying that that's the wrong approach. I'm just saying that the NBA very clearly is supportive of the BLM movement and rightly so, and ought to be, but I, I, I wonder if it's only because it's good for business sometimes. And that's where the cynic in me comes up because it's not necessarily good for business to uh, be hard on somebody for anti-Semitic talk. It's not necessarily hard. It's not even necessarily good for business to support and respond Jeremy Lin in a strong way because he's not Lin Sanity of the New York Knicks of, 2000, uh, of 2012 anymore. He is, he's a nobody who's toiling through the G League right now, and it just doesn't matter for the league right now. It's not beneficial for the league right now. And now you see this stuff with Asian-American hate because like the BLM movement, it's become a social movement. It's become socially acceptable. It's become a brand name. It's become a hashtag. And I'm glad it is. We need that. But it feels like the NBA lags behind until it becomes popular and, and uh, uh, beneficial for business to actually take a meaningful stand on these things. First and foremost, never f- apologize for having a long take about anti-Semitism. Your last name is Goldberg. There's a reason why I wanted you to pontificate, and that's exactly what you did, and I appreciate it. And our opinions on this thing match up in a lot of ways, Matt. Um, let me get my first obvious reaction out of the way. F- yourself, Myers Leonard. I was disgusted by his stupidity. I was disgusted by his fucking hate speech, and I was disgusted by his remarkable, ridiculous, unacceptable ignorance. That term... I have never heard in the wild ever, Wes. Mm -mm. I have been Jewish my entire life. I have never heard that thing thrown around with the exception of when Jews joke with other Jews about anti-Semitism. And he only felt comfortable dropping it. He felt comfortable dropping that in front of strangers, basically on television, while he's playing for a Jewish owner in a league run by a Jewish commissioner. Also, his hollow bullshit apology, right? So I, I understand that he says that he didn't know the history and exact meaning of the world of, of the word. Let's assume that is true. I don't necessarily buy it. Let's assume he doesn't understand all of the, its implications. Wes, my five-year-old knows that the word is bad. She doesn't know what it means. She doesn't understand any of its history, but she at the age of five is smart enough to know she can't drop that. And she's not doing it on television. The idea that Myers Leonard would throw this out there and then suggest, oh, it's okay because I didn't know everything behind it is childish and ridiculous. Um, I will go ahead and say, I'm pretty sure this isn't the first time this has accidentally slipped out of his lips, right? No. He was looking for something nasty to call a video game opponent in front of fans who knew that they were there to watch him. So if this is the word he chose, I'm pretty sure it's not the first time. But let me address what you are saying, um, because I, I think I agree with you. The thing that really sticks to me about this, dude, is what it suggests about the state of anti-Semitism in America. This wasn't a hidden tape scenario. Nobody snuck into a filthy Hitler rally to catch him saying this. 
in the middle of cancel culture, in the start of 2021, where everybody is demonstrably more accepting, everybody understands that you can't say nasty things without facing immediate consequences, he showed up in the open and then dropped this. And so what that obviously shows, it shows that he at least thought that he didn't have to worry about saying it. But the second point, and what you're saying is, he was kind of right. You know, his his career might be over. We're not positive of that. He just got traded to another team. But also, this didn't become the national story. I was positive it would become. He, he got mm-hmm. uh, sus- you know, suspended for a week, fined 50K. But there's no indications that there's going to be some long-term implications. And I just, I don't understand it. Um, and I know I've only got you for five minutes. So let me give you a couple questions. First one, I'm terrible at spelling. Help me through this. If we rearrange the letters in Myers Leonard's name, does it in fact spell Adolf Hitler? Like, have you done the the word uh, puzzle <laughs> cross on that or no? You might have to throw in an extra Y into the, the new Adolf Hitler name, but that would be it. Yeah. Yeah. No P's. Yeah. No. Okay. I can see that now. Uh, well, Myers Leonard, you know what? Uh, let me, let me jump right to this one. If you were Adam Silver, you and I, you know, I'm, I'm a petty right. f- man. You know that. So if you were Adam Silver, this happens. Would you use your power to make sure that he never gets back in the league? You know, because the, the first thing that Adam Silver did and probably the most impressive in his commissioner career is he spiked Donald Sterling, the racist f- right out of the league. Right. And we're, mm-hmm. we're never going to see him again. So if you were Adam Silver, how would you handle this? You know, would you use your power pettily? Would you um, be public and make sure that everybody understands why he was getting thrown out? What's what's the next step on this? Yeah, the thing with Adam Silver is obviously, you know, he's personally affected by this or you would imagine he would be. Uh, But he doesn't really uh, broadcast his personal feelings on things NBA related very often. And you would wonder if now would be the time for him to do that. By the way, same is said for Mickey Harrison, the owner of the Heat. He's very much a behind-the-scenes owner, right? You have you have front-of-camera owners and you have behind-the-scenes owners. Mickey Harrison very much is behind-the-scenes. Let's Pat Riley do the talking for the organization. Eric Spolster doing the talking for the organization. This might have been the time for Mickey Harrison to say something. This could have been the time for Adam Silver. But I'm not surprised he didn't. If I would like to see him at least... Um, I mentioned sort of the, the similarities I find in the prison system versus, you know, and all these things like there's, there's such a, in, in, in this cancel culture world, it, it feels like, Hey, let's, let's just cancel the person rightly or wrongly, regardless, does not matter. Let's cancel the person problem solved. That's not true. You need to work on rehabilitation. You need to work on things. Think sure. about uh, yeah. Tim Hardaway years ago, came out and had, just openly anti-gay homophobic things all the time, just on on a radio interview, just unbelievably homophobic things. And he got a social backlash and he had to inundate himself with that culture and learn uh, and and submerge himself in that culture and figure out how to not be such a homophobic person. And he's come out the other side of it better for it. And now he's on the hall of fame ballot for a reason. Now Myers Leonard is not going to be making the hall of fame ever. um, But I think with, People like him, like it would be helpful if we didn't just cut him, wave him, cancel him. But if, in fact, we tried to do some sort of understanding, some sort of rehabilitation, some sort of educational outreach, because that's the way things are. Because you said it is unbelievable how open he was by using that. Like I said, 
if he had used the N word, this never would have happened. But you know what? He never would have done that because right. he would have been ha- he would have been crazy to do that. He would have been signing his own letter of resignation at that point. But you have people just being so anti-Semitic right now and the whole neo-Nazi thing. Like, I thought we were done with Nazis. Apparently we're not. And just like this whole thing, like people are just so comfortable being openly anti-Semitic because I don't know. I don't really know why, because there's like a lack of awareness that it's that being an anti-Semite is bad. It's the only thing I could think of. And so we need to do some sort of awareness. There needs to be some sort of education program across America, it seems like, that tells people that not liking Jews is a racist thing. And that makes you racist. And anti-Semitism is bad. And maybe we could start with the fact that you don't in, in all 50 states, you don't have to talk about the Holocaust. It's not required learning for children right. that the Holocaust happened. And that's why you have Holoca- Holocaust non-believers and stuff. And I deniers, just, right? Did not, it just blows my mind. And so, you know, it just start, it starts with education and awareness, like most things do. $50,000 one week of suspension <laughs> is, is, wouldn't have been enough if Myers had casually said behind the scenes, you know who I don't like? Some Jews. That's not what he did. <laughs> He no. went. He went as public as he could. the The television show in his control. You know his yeah. his streaming service. He went out and used the ugliest term that is reserved for Jewish Americans. I mean, that's it. Or for for Jews anywhere. Like yeah. that is yeah. the gold ring of ugly <laughs> you can say about Jews. And the fact that he grabbed it and is only facing this punishment is not enough. And I don't want to push what you just said to the side. Um, because I, I, the, the way I am saying this calls for cancel culture, basically. And you're right. What I would like to see is some public rehabilitation so that people understand, one, it was wrong. But two, if you hold these nasty, wrong beliefs, it's not that you just disappear. It's that you need to do the education necessary to knock them out of your filthy anti-Semitic brain. You know, that's, that's where this stands. That is exactly right. Yep. Uh, I, I, like I said, it, it starts with education. It starts with the fact that, hey, it, people like you and I saying this is wrong and something more has to happen because the suspension, the fine is not enough. I don't care that he shoots 40% from three-point range as a seven-footer and he can help space the floor for you and change your offense. I don't care about that stuff. Yep. Uh, something has to be done. And, and the, the phrase, I didn't know what it meant, is not an acceptable excuse. Parents everywhere will back that. You know, if your kid starts dropping four-letter bonds and it's like, oh, I have no idea what it meant. That, that, that is not. He said, it. he said it in a hurtful way. He meant it to be hurtful. So whether or not he was trying to be hurtful toward Jews or gamers or Call of Duty fictional characters, whatever, he meant to That's be hurtful. Right. Well, he pauses. He pauses for a second yes. to pick the exact nasty phrase. And then that's the one that popped up. You know, he literally was like, who knows what other derogatory nasty shit that went through that filthy mind. And he's like, oh, this is the one I want yeah. to use. Uh, Wes, you have Warriors availability. And the last thing I'm going to do is uh, is get in the way of that. But I will ask you this. People love you. I love you. Where do they go to get more Goldberg? Follow the podcast, Locked on Warriors. Follow the writing at Mercury News. Follow me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Bram, always a great time jumping on the show with you. Pleasure was mine. Get out of here, man. I'll talk to you soon.
Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc